going on folks welcome to a very special episode of the Knicks wall podcast i'm your host as always kyle maggio joined by my co-hosts mike cortez and sean Geddes. and today you know the, the winning streak came to an end but we still felt the need to reward you guys with a very special guest we brought on jerry ferrara everybody's favorite Knicks fan what's going on buddy how's everything What's going on, guys? Uh, yes, it was tough to say goodbye to the streak. That streak has given me so much uh, fulfillment in my heart. But uh, we knew they weren't going to win every game coming into the end of the season and uh, took a couple of circus shots to get it done. But, um, yeah, man, I'm proud of this team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the main thing that I want to touch on before we get to the streak, before we get to the minutia of, of all the play and, and everything else, um, Mainly just want to talk to you about just the, the vibe of being a Knicks fan this season because it has been so much fun. And I feel like that's been the sentiment across the board. No matter if you're a generally pessimistic fan like I've generally always been, everybody yells at me. If you've been an optimistic fan like Sean, it doesn't really matter because we've all come to the same consensus that all that stuff doesn't really matter. This has been a fun season, broke a lot of expectations, and we're just sort of along for the ride. We're riding for Julius, we're riding for Randall, uh, you know, riding for RJ, all these other guys. but. Um, just kind of wanted to pick your brain on like maybe what your expectations were coming into the season versus like where we're at now and, and everything and sort of how it's unfolded. So I, I'm definitely a little more like Sean. You said Sean's more optimistic, right? Is that yep. true, Sean? Like I'm, yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Like it's always easy to point out the flaws of your team. Like anyone can do that. The real work is like digging through the flaws to see what's good about this team that you could maybe use going into a next season or beyond. Right. So that's what I'm always, believe me, I get plenty frustrated in the last eight years since our last playoff appearance with the team. So I've certainly voiced that, but I've always tried to stay positive coming into this year. And it's so hard because this year really is such a wild card with everything, obviously with COVID going on. And, but I was very curious to see how we would play and a few of the other teams that did not make it to the bubble, right? Because these are a lot of younger teams who were losing a lot of younger players who hadn't really touched the basketball since the second week of March, where I know typically the Knicks games aren't very valuable in March and April, but either way, there's still reps. There's still guys out there trying to earn contracts and, and improve on their game. So I was just very curious to see what, like how everyone talks about LeBron had the shortest break of all time. Randall had the longest break of all time, you know, so barring without being an injury situation. So I was very curious coming in. I, said when they first signed Julius Randle, I said coming in that I think he could make the all-star team in the East specifically. Um, especially that going into that, that was like, you know, Durant wasn't playing. I actually thought it would be the previous year that got shortened. So, and I actually wanted the Knicks to go after Tibbs before we went to Minnesota. Like there was talk of maybe him coming to New York before we got the T-Wolves job. And I, I thought Tibbs would have been a great fit there. Um, I then did worry after he was with the T-Wolves, like so much time had gone by. You wonder, like, has he been out too long? But I was very happy with the Tib signing. And my goal was always, like, get to the playing game. 
you could come in 10th. Like it can happen. That's on the, the wizards were dead two weeks ago and they went on a streak and now they're right there. So my goal going in was I want the young players to develop and I want Tibbs to really try to help change the culture preach defense first. And I just wanted to get to the playing game. It's all I want. Give me like one important game in May and I'm thrilled. Those are my expectations. Sorry. I ramble a lot. Sorry, Sean. I ramble a lot. <laughs> no, you're good, but you're good. It's funny because the playing is exactly like it, the same thing you had. Like I, when Randall got here, I was like, he can be an all-star for sure. Like I was saying that my friends clown me after the season for saying it. So Really, David Fisdale owes me an apology for making me a year late on being a genius. Um, but even then, when you said, like, you like to, like, you're an optimistic fan, you take things, like, last year was really frustrating, but I was like, you know what? RJ Barrett showed that he's a starter. Mitchell Robinson is a starting level center. Julius Randle, it was in his own way, but is a starting level power forward. So it's like when you start getting some things in place, it makes it easier for, you know, now you get one. You know, you get lucky at pick 25 and you get an Emmanuel quickly. And all of a sudden, like, things start to look a lot better. So definitely, like, that positive outlook um, and, you know, bit by bit. And the play-in, I actually want to avoid the play-in at all costs because – but I feel like that's what happens with expectations once you start winning. Like, but I've been saying from the beginning of the season, like, you know, because we were the first people to – when they changed a lot of the odds, we were the first team to be the worst team. I don't want to be the first team to do something again, not in that regard. So yeah. I want to avoid the plan completely, lock in a top six seed and move forward. I was going to be happy with a plan. And then RJ kind of woke me up yesterday where he was just like playing. I'm trying to do more than that. Like we're not just happy with making the playoffs. So that really woke me up. And Gary, I wanted to ask you, since you got to experience the nineties, which I'm very jealous of, is this feeling right now where we have Randall, that's kind of setting the tone for like a whole new era. You can kind of feel the culture shifting. Is it as exciting as the nineties or is it just a completely different feel? So I was thinking about this a lot, right? And I actually just read that, uh, that book that Paul wrote uh, on the nineties Knicks, which if you guys haven't checked it out, it's dope. It's a great book. Um, so here's what this feels like. Okay. And I remember this very well being about like 11, 12 years old. It's not 1994 where we get to the finals and lose to the Rockets. It's more like 1991, 92 Riley just comes in. And the Knicks at that point, like they had stolen the series from the Celtics years before, but they weren't really going anywhere. Patrick Ewing was now starting to enter the like prime prime. Like it's your time. Now you're one of the best centers in the league, but the team was still kind of rudderless until Riley comes in. And then that's where this, grimy defense first kind of thing took over. And I think they played the bulls in 92 and in a game in a series where like no one gave the Knicks a chance. And I think the bulls beat them in six, but it was a fight, man. It was ugly. Like the Knicks were at times like looking like they were the alphas, uh, almost like the Pistons thing was repeating itself. So it feels more like that. Like we are at the beginnings of this generation starting than sort of like the 94 Knicks where it was like, okay, now we're expected to be the one or two seed. We're expected to get to the Eastern conference finals every year. And obviously we just ran into Jordan every year and it stopped us short like so many. So I would say this feels like the nineties, but early, early nineties when like Riley's just coming in and the Knicks were really starting to get a little frisky in the playoffs. And then obviously when we got to 93, 
there was that, you know, three, two, uh, two, two, lead, two, two series with game five, but that's where we started to be taken as like, okay, this is one of the best teams in the East. We're not quite there yet, but I feel like that's the direction that we're heading. And we have all our assets for the first time in like for ever we didn't we have no bad contracts no bad moves we're not like in a situation with the wolves where we could lose our draft pick if we don't come in you know it's not protected so if it feels like the beginnings of the like setting up the 90s uh, and maybe that's me being optimistic like sean but uh that's just the feelings i'm i'm getting but the 94 stuff once we were like perennial perennially whatever that word is like expected to be top like that was that was the one the most exciting time yeah, I just, I think it's a whole new thing because, you know, back then, like, the Knicks were still respected before that. You know what I mean? Like, they maybe had had some down years, but they were still respected across the league or whatever else, and they were just coming into a new good era. We have been so downtrodden. Even, like, the Mellow era seems like a blip sometimes because, like, they had basically two, I would say two, two and a half years where they were, like, winning to different degrees and obviously getting to the playoffs. We know 12-13 was the best season. But, um, you know, th- this seems more like it- it's so joyful in the way that it got done because, you know, I, you know, Sean knows I was so high on Julius Randle, like forever. This is, this has been like a four or five year thing with me and Randle. I wanted him with Porzingis. I was screaming it at people. I thought that was a nasty four or five pairing that we could have for the future. And then, you know, we lose the first number six. We, we get Julius Randle. And I was like, all right, you know, still, still got one. We'll see what happens. And I kind of felt like you, Jerry. I thought, yeah, why, why couldn't he be an all-star? He's a 2010 guy. He's still 24, 25. We got him. Like, why not? And then uh, even with that, just to see, like, the level of play that he's kind of gotten to this year and then the way guys have followed his lead, like, RJ especially has been like, all right, man, like, you're confident? I'm going to be confident now. And then you see it rubs off on the rest of the team. So it, it really is kind of like a ragtag bunch of guys that nobody seemed to believe in because nobody believed in the franchise, really. And they just kind of, for the first time, we were begging guys to do this for quite some time. Like, they were all just like, we, we like that nobody's paying attention. We like that guys are sleeping on us. We like that it, it motivates us. Like, we needed more motivation, but it motivates us. And it's just like, it's like a new edge that I haven't quite seen. I felt like the 90s Knicks still felt like, you know, yeah, we're the Knicks, we're New York. These guys feel that way, but it's more like a, okay, well, you guys forgot about New York. You guys forgot about New York, and now, and now look. You didn't expect us to be in the, the top eight out east. And we're number four. They might get home court. They lost that, that game against the Suns and didn't flinch because I think the Hawks and Heat still lost and they're still sitting in fourth. I mean, it, it's, it's, a new, it's a new identity and it really is just like, it's just fun. It's just so yeah, much fun. It's, it's, you know, you really do feel like you, you could win any game now. And it's been a long time since we felt that. We had that a little bit in uh you know, with 12, 13 or 13, 14, the, I call it the Steve Novak season. <laughs> Although <laughs> Mello was like an MVP candidate that year where, you know, we could beat any team on any night. And it kind of has that feeling right now. And the, the big thing that everybody slept on with Randall, and I guess you don't really know this unless you're within the organization, but now everyone's talking about it with like RJ and quickly. It's like the guys were like every players competitive every player wants to be good there's money at stake there's pride but like there's a difference when you see someone who takes on the challenge of being the guy on the knicks 
And I don't even know if anyone officially gave Randall that title because last season was such a weird blur of bad basketball, but also COVID and stuff. But he gave it to himself going into this offseason. He said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be the leader of this team and accept everything that comes with it, especially in New York City being the team. That's right. The team in New York city, all of it that comes with that. And if we're bad, that's going to be, it's going to be on me. People are going to look at me and he rose to the occasion and didn't shrink. And to me, that's all I ever want. And, um, the hardest thing I think for any coach to do is to get the, the team to play for each other, you know, and play for the, not, not so much the fans, but like the fans in the sense of like, play for the team, play for each other. And that's what all these guys are doing. And it's beautiful to watch. And, um, yeah, I, I I said play-in before the season started. I don't want the play-in now. I want the playoffs. Like, now I've tasted it. You're right, Charlie. Like, I, I, I don't want to drop down to the seventh seed. I want to be a playoff team now because I've tasted it. And it's just crazy how, like, perception can shift because, you know, at the, at the end of the first half of the season, it was, oh, the Knicks' second half schedule is so tough, blah, blah, blah. Like, how are they going to pull these games out? And even when we saw the six-game road trip, like the six-game road trip when we saw it in the beginning of the season looked like, wow, they really put this at the end of our schedule. Like they're trying. But honestly, I'm really not afraid of that six-game road trip. It's just like you said, Jerry. Like I feel like we can win every night. Like against every every team we're matched up with, even with Phoenix. Like Phoenix is one of the best teams in the NBA. And I wasn't really afraid of that game. Like I went into it feeling like, you know, this is – I went into that game honestly feeling like Julius Randle could be the best player on the floor. Yeah, and look, the Suns did a great job with him. I mean, we started off so hot, and it was almost like a false sense of security. Bullock was like four for four from three. He went cold, some foul trouble. And honestly, it did look like maybe there was a little fatigue in those closing five minutes. And also, I listen, and I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Listen to everyone's talking about the Knicks right now. And a lot of the narrative is like, look at the job Tibbs does, and look what you could do with team chemistry because this team is not that good. I'm like, well, I don't understand how you could say that. Like you win nine in a row. You're the four seed. Like you're a good team. I know there's overachievement and that can happen, but we've been doing this without Mitchell Robinson, whom I'm sorry is a really, really good center who we absolutely need right now. Noel, all props to Noel for taking on like the challenge and Taj. Like, yeah, I get it on paper. That might not be the best center rotation, but as filling in for the starting center who's now out again those guys have been unbelievably good and so i always said even before like i thought the burke signing was one of the sneaky good signings of the season for any team at that price to get a vet like that who actually was a 40 something percent three-point shooter and can play d who's been playing point guard for us in the closing minutes and closed out the pelicans we went out, we won another what three in a row since he's been he's been out and obviously you hope everything's okay with him and he's feeling good and he will be welcomed back to the line because we really could have used him against Phoenix. That would have been really helpful. That was like the exact kind of stuff that we, we needed some perimeter shooting, some perimeter D and playmaking going down the stretch. Cause Randall, they were bottling him up. They did a great job on Randall. You gotta give, you know, props where props are due like they they they're good their sons are really really good if not great team yeah and they had to have chris paul devin booker and mikhail bridges bring their a plus game which i think in itself is an achievement and then on top of that randall and rj weren't really that on that night either so you have all that mixed in Derek rose by the way i was i have no idea 
how I can be shocked by Derrick Rose since I saw Chicago Rose. But, man, he's been a godsend. From the, I think that's the best trade so far this year in terms of what they gave up. Is Dennis Smith was already on the outs. Now you have Rose in. I think Rose is already the captain of the bench mob. I think he should move in to a more significant role moving forward. But, I mean, he did everything. He was he scored 20 again, fighting for loose balls. He was just amazing. And I think with him moving forward, I think future is bright. Yeah, he, he's doing everything. Uh, even in that uh, Pelican game, the Bullock three for the tie game, like Derek Rose took over that whole fourth quarter, but he's not doing it in the ways that former MVP Derek Rose used to have to do. It actually seems like a role he's much more comfortable with. I wonder if he is where he could just sort of take what the game is giving to him, play within the team concept and not have to be like, okay, you got to go score 12 in the last three minutes to get this home. He can, but you know, just that drive and dish, like it's just so, such a high IQ play and Lonzo should not have come over and, and yeah, he definitely left and it was a mistake, but you know, it wasn't a massive mistake. Like that pass needed to be there in the pocket and needed to happen quicker or else he could have got back to at least get a little close. And that was one of Bullock's most wide open corner threes of the season. So Rose has been spectacular and it just goes to show you that the combination of young guys and vets, if you get that right combination, uh, it, it goes a long way. That's why like, I don't know if Taj ever knew he could play this much, but and he's been playing well, but you could even see what he's doing for Noel and other guys. It's a really great combination right now. Yeah, the, the Rose thing to me, I, I wasn't sour on him the last time he was here per se, but it was very clear last time he was here. It was just buckets. Like he's here to score. He was here to be a scoring guard first and foremost. Um, but this time, the way that he's doing it, because he's been nearly as effective scoring off the bench as he was for us as a starter back then, right? And on top of that, he's making as many defensive plays these days as he is offensive plays. And that's what's... The first couple of weeks, I was like, maybe I'm seeing things. Like, I, I don't... Maybe he's just getting lucky, a lot of tip passes. Then I started noticing he's blocking shots every game. Then he's blocking shots with the tip passes that are leading out to, like, little leakouts and breaks. And I was like, yo, like, this guy plays really good defense. I don't know what's happening. Then we check the stats and then he's a much improved defender. And it's like, wow, man. Like, and it's, it's a lot of things. It's, it's Rose is playing really well, but it's also like you guys, you know, mentioned it's, it's Tibbs setting the tone. Tibbs reuniting the band to some degree, getting guys who understand his system and the way he likes to do things. And guys are bought in. And when got this many guys are bought in, like you already had Randall, RJ, Mitch, these guys are bought in. And now to get guys or mid or late season acquisitions, like Taj came along, you know, kind of just off the couch. He wasn't doing anything. Now he's playing big minutes, you know, and, and, and Rose is, is leading the charge. So it's little things like that, you know, like, like you said, Jerry, it, it's not really a talent question. They actually do have plenty of talent. It was just, are these guys going to get the chemistry and, and be engaged enough to, to realize that talent? And they have. I mean, how, how could you argue, even with the winning streak, and you can say maybe they were just on fire or whatever, they were in six-seed contention the last couple months, right? They would maybe lose a couple of games and then go down 7-8, but then they'd come right back up to 5 or 6. This isn't like new territory for them. They've been in this middle of the pack in the out east territory. Now they're starting to kind of get a stranglehold on things, and it's nice to see vets stepping up as they've been shorthanded, right? You know, different instances. And it's just a mentality, a makeup we haven't seen on teams in quite some time. But but Rose has really been... I wouldn't say I hated the trade, because I knew the price we paid for it was was really good, like... 
I like Dennis, but he wasn't doing enough here. Dennis and I mean, it was basically free. Getting Derek Rose for free is the way to put it. And, yeah, and it, it's, it's he needed a fresh start as well. You know, I, I, I think he, I think he is a good player. I think he will benefit from being somewhere else too. Um, look, I, I, there are, there is another side to this conversation of the challenges that we are going to be faced with. Um, and I'm definitely thrilled to talk about all the good points. Like we get to quick, I actually think Toppin has been playing so much better and I don't know if he's been getting the credit just yet. Uh, obviously he does not get the minutes either to really have an explosive game, but the game where he hit a few threes, he's getting really quality rebound, like rebounds in traffic now hitting the outlets. And, um, he's starting to see the athleticism, a few nice dunks, a few reverses. So it's all, everyone's growing. The thing that will always be our true Achilles heel and it will be down the stretch is can we shoot the three consistently enough? That's always going to be our, our thing. Can we keep the turnovers down? And then keeping that balance of Randall in isolation where he's just dominating and Randall in isolation where he's still creating for other people. Sometimes it gets a little too much score, score, score ISO. And he's so good that it doesn't really hurt us at this point, but it can get a little messy. But I think he's at his best when he's mixing in scoring with creating because then he's just like, he's got everybody off balance. So and you know we are we we're about to embark on a tough stretch. We like we got to beat the Bulls tonight. I'm not talking like it's not a must win game, but it's a must win game. You got to beat the Bulls. You got to beat the Rockets. Okay, the Grizzlies are good, but that's a winnable game. We got to beat the Grizzlies because like the Lakers with LeBron back and AD, that's gonna be tough. The Clippers are one of the hottest teams in the league in the second half. Those and the Suns are the Suns. So those are three games that I'm not saying we're gonna lose, but you certainly have to just take care of your business right now. And then we will be the four or five, six or six seed. If we just beat the teams we're supposed to beat. And they've been good at that this season. That's one thing that they've really done. They beat up on the teams they're supposed to, but on that Randall point, I think it's even more crucial because Phoenix did it a lot. And then before them, the Raptors did a lot where they're just doubling Randall right off the bat in the half court. And if you don't have that shooting around them, like when you see the difference when quickly's there versus when Alpha mostly Elf, <laughs> is there is there's not many places to go. So Randall's got to keep that up. And RJ being menace on catch and shoots is another key part of that. If he's hitting shots, man, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, Phoenix just did a good job. They really did. They just really, in the second half after we were scorching hot, you know, they, they took a lot away from RJ that he likes to do. You know, they really did a good job of sneaky double teaming. Bridges is super long, so he's able to, like, hedge and get back. Uh, but it's going to be a great test. But m most importantly than anything is, like, we're watching meaningful games in late April and early May. And, um, you know, you like to think we have the play-in locked up at this point. So we're going to get at least one playoff game but also don't sleep on this guys okay and a lot of maybe you guys have talked about it and i missed it our last game of the season's against the celtics that could be a very meaningful game that could be the difference potentially even from like a six seed and a seven seed or a four seed and a six. that game could mean a lot depending on how this shakes out so uh that's gonna feel like a playoff game either way unless i i just don't see us somehow having the four seed locked up by that point but uh, stranger things have happened with this team. So, but that could be a very intense, meaningful game. That and the day before that, 
they play the Hornets, and both are at MSG. And the reason I bring the Hornets up was because when Lamelo went down initially, it was for the rest of the season, right? That that was the thought. No, he's looming now, and, and, and now he's he's, he's about, about to practice today or tomorrow, and they're still, I think, in eighth. So. And Haywood should be back too by that point, right? Yeah, yeah so, so, so they, they could potentially, yeah, they could really be making a, a, a late push when they're not even out of the playoffs. So both of those games are going to be really crucial for, for seeding in some way, shape, or form in the East uh, because they, they, those three have been bunched up this entire time. The, the Hornets were up towards four, the 4 5 C too before LaMelo went down. So he, he's going to be itching, and by that time, I'm sure he's going to have a couple games under his belt. So it's going to be a fight to the finish, which it's exciting. It's a little scary, but it's exciting. Even the West Coast trip coming up, the fact that we even have to worry about LeBron and the Clippers, but in a good way, like, all right, all right, man, we've been getting up for these games. We got we to try to get one or two of them, see what happens. Like, the fact that we can even have these conversations, like, and, and the fact that you even have to think about the Hornets and Celtics' point of view, like, now you guys have to come to MSG to close the season out and try to get your playoff spot. Not just the Knicks are fighting to get in. The Knicks are in. We're, we're, we just want a better seed now. And now you got to worry about putting that pressure on them, too. Like, all right, you guys got to come in here and fit, because they've been great at home, the Knicks, at MSG. So that's the other part, too. When was the last time we, we, that they were truly, like, dominant at home? And I was just about I'm to so say that. I'm so happy right now. My heart is so full. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's nice, man. I mean, if they get the four seed, right? That's home court. Like, I couldn't if they get if they get the four seed they get home court like I I might need to take another month off just from how happy I, I'm going to be like it's just such a good position to be in and look we every team and I don't care who how good you are every team needs some breaks right like we certainly have gotten some breaks like that bullet corner three in years past never goes in like that's just always the shot that we've had. And it's just not gone in and it's going in this year. You know, I personally think the Hawks would have beat us if Trey Young doesn't get hurt. That's my opinion. So I'm ta- I, just from what I watched, what they had going on with Trey Young and that staggered double screen, I, we really had no answer for it. And I know everyone's saying, oh, the Knicks, like Hawks 4 5 would be such a fun first round playoff match. It would be. I'm terrified at Trey Young 100%. So, you know, you got to get, I'm not saying that's like a lucky break, like you root for that, because I hate seeing any player get injured, let alone, you know, the most important player on a team. I want to beat the team at full strength. But, you know, if we could just stay healthy and maybe a few more of those corner threes go in and we survive, like we'll, we'll be fine and we will be playing a playoff game at MSG one way or another. And, um, yeah, it's the, it's, it's, it's all right there. And we have, and we have assets, although the Mavericks pick now, like we were all pumped up because Luca wasn't in great shape first two weeks of the season, but now they've seemed to, uh, to get back. And I keep joking with my buddy, Chris Henderson, who covers the Mavericks. I keep saying to him, like, enjoy your playing game that you're going to have. And now I think they're the sixth seed. So I'm like, Oh man, I didn't know they were going to jump back into the, to the playoffs like that. Yeah. I'm hoping for them to fall down to the playing and, you know, hopefully face Steph Curry or something like that. But, I mean, Rose has been absolutely phenomenal. And like you said, Jerry, Obi is really improving almost every day. He doesn't get a whole lot of minutes, and that's why it's not spoken on a lot. But he's been rebounding well, as you said. He's been making really good defensive rotations. Like, he's in the right spots defensively. He hasn't been a liability at all as of recent. And, um, yeah, the runouts with uh, Rose telling him, you know, if I get the rebound, just take off and making those great outlet passes. Obi finishing the transition. Um, IQ has been getting so much better at creating. 
And I don't think that's being spoken on enough. And I'd like to see us give him more of those opportunities. To be honest, a lot of times he's only used as a decoy out there. But like when he has the ball, he's super effective. Like he go, he scores well. He draws a lot of defensive attention. And I say that because one of the things he did was he made a nice entry pass to Obi. And then Obi spun baseline and like came up under somebody. And I was like, yo, what is going on here? So it's really nice to see those things start happening toward the end of the season. We get Alec Burks back. He just cleared uh, safety and health protocol. Oh, he did. So it's official. He cleared. It's, okay. yeah, it's yeah. officially cleared. I, that dude is so important in the final couple. He's been running the point in the last three minutes in meaningful games. Uh, the IQ stuff, like, look, he is exactly what this team needs like offensive firepower that we need. We have to have a true hair trigger jumper from any, any like whatever you 30 feet, 25 feet, whatever he's got it. I think that the question marks coming in were, can you create off the dribble? He's already improved that. I mean, and maybe he didn't even need to improve it. Maybe he just didn't show it as much at Kentucky. He, even when he was like, I wouldn't say in a slump, but he was hovering more down like the 30% stuff from the field. Like he's still putting so much pressure on the defense. And now there is a nice scouting report on him that you got to honor the three. You got to honor the floater. So he's just draw. He's freeing stuff up. Although I will say, I thought he had the best floater in the league. D Rose all of a sudden has turned into just the floater, like jump hook, push. Like, I don't even know what he's doing. It is so crafty. It's like the old dude in the park that just got every move. (laughs) He's throwing these floaters in traffic over seven footers and they're not even touching rim. They're just going right in. It's beautiful. Yeah, IQ reawaken, reawoken Chicago Rose, man. Because that's a move I haven't, I really haven't seen that since Rose was at Chicago, and it's been beautiful to see. And quickly, he's right behind him because that floater has a mind of its own sometimes. Yeah, I mean, from the baseline, not even looking at backboard, like that's one of the. I think that's one of the toughest shots in basketball, and like these guys are like hitting it at like a six sixty eight percent clip. It's it's phenomenal. And the amount of arc he gets on that with the angles he shoots it at is just ridiculous. Like when he, it's crazy because when he puts it up, I just know that it's going in, but I still don't really know how. <laughs> yeah. It started off as one of those like, no, no, yes. Now it's just kind of like, yes, yes, yes. It's like now <laughs> it's just like it's total, total confidence. So uh, you know, it's gonna be tough. I'm looking forward to this, to this road trip. Uh, I really am, even if it doesn't go well. Uh, we have shown that, you know, coming out of the all-star break, we had that hellish schedule everyone was talking about. We lost a lot of two-point games. It did seem for a minute there like, okay, this could start to come back down to a reality we don't like. But they they just managed to, like, grind through, and then they got to the streak. So I'm confident even if the West Coast trip doesn't go great that, you know, we will finish strong when we get back, for the, especially for those two important games against the Hornets and the Celtics. Yeah, so, you know, I know we don't have too much time here left, but I do want to get, you know, uh, shift gears here real quick and get your thoughts on the other basketball team in New York. I know you've had a a, a little bit of a a quarrel with uh, all five of those Nets fans uh, lately, but just wanted to pick your brain on uh, basically the dynamic because coming into this year, obviously it was, you know, talked about the, the, AD was going to be back. Kyrie was healthy, going to be playing. Obviously, they were looming for a third star, and people had kind of forgotten about the Knicks once again. And the fact that I think they just clinched a playoff berth, but the fact that we're pretty much right there behind them um, is is still pretty encouraging. The fact that both New York teams could realistically be top four or five seeds out east is 
pretty good, pretty interesting. Atlantic Division uh, is up there with the best divisions in basketball after years of futility and being one of the worst divisions in basketball. So as a whole, that's pretty good. But um, for people outside of New York, like, like what, how can you help them understand this dynamic where they have the big three, they have all this excitement, they're definitely going to win a lot. Of, they're going to be scary in the playoffs when all three of them are playing. And even then, Julius Randle has so much attention on him just for leading this charge back with the Knicks. Could you help some of these people understand why that is the way that it is and why this is always going to be a Knicks town? Well, I mean, it's just so hard. They never really had a chance if you think about it. Like, you know, they're playing out in Jersey and obviously they have their loyal fan base from there. And I, I give respect to anybody who loved this team from the moment they were playing, you know, they started following it, whether that was the Jason Kidd year, Kerry Kittle years, or whether that was, you know, the, the Paul Pierce KG weird year, whatever, like all love, but you know, you move into Brooklyn, it's you're trying to take over like the most honored market in basketball, really. So like, you never really going to win that fight, but you know, they definitely did a good job running that franchise. They definitely changed their culture around and they definitely drew KD. They drew Kyrie. Like that all happens from within. So props to them. It's the Nets fans that I really wonder were they Nets fans three years ago, four years ago. Cause I could probably talk more about the Nets than some of them could. Okay. Uh, and, you know, watching that, look, Jersey had a lot of success. The Kenya Martin years, they destroyed us with, when we had Facts. Tim Thomas. So Facts. I could probably talk more in Nets history. I go back to Drazen Petrovic, Derek Coleman, Kenny Anderson. You know, it's the, the guys and girls that you just know, like four years ago, didn't give two you-know-whats about the Nets. And now that they got three of the best players in the history of basketball, now it's like the net. And now – they're trying to flip it on the Knicks fans that we're like this little brother. We can't keep their names out of our mouth. That That's not the case. They were the ones who made this whole organizational campaign. What was it last year, two years ago? Like the Knights of New York, whatever, the, the, whatever. So like, yeah, I made a comment after the Raptor win, just simply saying, imagine like thinking the Knicks were or thinking the Nets were like the best the most talked about team in New York and everybody got all upset. All the Nets fans got all upset about that. Listen, you go sign those three guys. There's, there's targets on your back. I don't care if you're playing in Brooklyn, Charlotte, Miami, LA, wherever I'm going to talk about you that you, you are one of the best teams in the league expected to do great things. So I'm going to talk about you no matter where you are, but don't think that that's the way to take over New York. That's not going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. You got a long way to go. I give respect to all the kids who are just getting into basketball now. And they're like, yeah, I like, I like Brooklyn. Fine. Any Knicks fan that did the whole, ah, I'm done with this. I'm going to switch to the, like, I, 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 I've never met one yet, but I'm sure they're out there. And I would just love to hear the reasons why. Shout out to Andrew You want to say because the Knicks suck? And the Nets are good. Well, that doesn't work for me because now the Knicks are good. So now what's the excuse? The bandwagon, you guys have been keeping good track of the bandwagon, <laughs> yeah. right? Like all the guys who've been oh, done with the Knicks, oh, but easily, now back. Easily. 100%. All right, keep that list. Just keep the keep it going. They're, they're, they're not back. You cross that bridge, you got to stay over there. Yeah, man. Like you can't do the, like, I'm done with this team and then come running back. Don't work that way. Okay. So keep that list going. I want to check in on that list every now and then. But Look, all, all respect to Nets fans who, you know, 
have been there either for a long time or if you're new to them, whatever. But like, come on, we, I, I don't care. I, I'm not worried about like anyone taking over New York. I'm just trying to win and get in the playoffs and enjoy some basketball. And guess what? Guess what? With those three Hall of Famers come great expectations, right? Great expectations. We thought we might be getting KD and Kyrie for a minute. All I'm going to say is, don't let anyone fool you into thinking that if for some reason these two teams meet in the first round, can't really say second round could happen, but let's just say first round, maybe that happens. Don't think for one second, the Nets fans aren't going to be way more nervous than the Knicks fans will be way more at stake for them than for us. Cause we ain't even supposed to be there. Right. We're not even supposed to be there. It's, 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 a, good, rant. it's a good rant. First of all, and it's a good point. Second of all, because I feel like a lot of, I've said this to Knicks fans before on this podcast, on social, it's funny when New Yorkers and fans of the New York teams want to use the relevance point, because for years I saw that with Knicks fans where they were like, well, we're the most relevant team. We're the most relevant team. And at the same time, then they would complain when they got bad press or coverage while they were bad. If you're so relevant and so big and important when you're not playing well, it's going to be highlighted, unfortunately. But when you're playing well, same thing. Now it's a, now it's a, a wild, out-of-control machine with, with how much good press that they've been getting. But to that point, the Nets, you got to expect that now. You know, you're one of the best teams. You got the top, you know, three or four players in the league. And it's like, you do got some proven to do now. There's, you are relevant. You are in New York. Even if you're the lesser team in terms of popularity, you're still a New York team. There's going to be a lot of eyes on you just from those guys. And you got to show up and act like it now. And they haven't really been playing much. I hate to ever belabor those points when there's that much talent, but they have like played an exceptionally little amount of time together ahead of the playoffs. So obviously they have more seasons to accomplish the things that they need to accomplish. But in terms of this season, I don't know, man. And, and you know, my, my last point here is that I'm not worried about the Knicks in the playoffs because I feel like they've played playoff basketball all year. They, there's been no blowouts for the most part, right? There's been a couple, maybe both directions. And They've been playing in these one-possession games, these high-pressure situations all year. So, like, you're going to go to the playoffs, and what changes? There's not going to be that many more fans, right? Like, so you're basically doing the same thing you've done all year, which play close games, play good defense, and try to squeak out a win. Like, that's a pretty good position to be in if you're the Knicks. Listen, I, I could wrap it up with this, right? No matter what, and this is ultimately the only place I ever wanted to get to, nobody wants to play us in the first round or even the second round if we were so lucky to get there. Because not even saying that, oh, we have a chance to beat you. Let's just say we are completely overmatched. With the way this team functions and works, they are going to take something with them. They're going to take a piece of you with them. If not getting out of the first round is is what the future is for this nigga, if they go six games and out, five games and out, whatever, seven games and out, whoever they play, is going to be feeling the effects of that series in the second round. I just know it. And I know teams got to feel that maybe I'm overreaching and it's cause like it's the team I root for, but just from everything I've watched watching the other team as well, no one's enjoying the, I'm not saying they're, they're enjoying playing, but you could tell like, everyone's like, Oh wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. This is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> so, um, I may have to wrap up in a minute soon because I see my wife, who, by the way, everyone listening, is 10 months pregnant, if that's even possible. Uh, she's like, and um, wow. I may have to wrap up. I think everything's okay, thankfully, but uh, I might be running out of time here, boys. I'm talking too much. I'm sorry. 
It's look, it's understandable. So we'll we'll let you go. I know you got daddy duty. So we definitely appreciate you hopping on. Definitely appreciate you joining us. Um, hopefully, maybe down the road, a couple months, we can get you for playoff basketball, something like that. But Done. we will we we will talk as we always do and figure that out. But yeah. um, no, I'm on. No matter if it's a the playoffs or playing game, I would love to talk to you guys. Or even leading up to those Celtic Hornet games, whatever. I want to come back on and I'll make sure that you know things might be a little crazy over here with another baby. But I listen, man. The Knicks are gonna get me get me through everything right now. Jerry, don't you worry <laughs> because nothing's worse than my three god awful dogs ruining every podcast at some point. <laughs> so so there's nothing that you could do at this point. But on that note. Appreciate you joining us as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the time. And we will talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. Adios. Later, boys. Peace.